0: and they put a face scanner you have to scan your face to get your toilet paper does this machine calculate how much paper i need
1: (laughs) (laughs) welcome to mosaic of china a podcast about people who are making their mark in china i'm your host oscar fuchs In our third special compilation episode from Season 2, we listened to how the guests answered the question, is there anything that still surprises you about life in China? And anyone living in China at any point over the last decade, be they Chinese or non-Chinese, will understand the context of this question. There's always something out there helping to keep us all on our toes. So take a listen to these surprises, and I'll be back at the end of the episode with a couple of new ones to share myself. Jamie Barris, the street food expert from episode 2. Expats who
2: just have not even remotely invested in China and not, you know, they
3: live here, they've lived here for years. So I met a woman who had lived here for 13 years the other day. She had never tried jianbing. <laughs> what? Yeah.
2: I was like, "Okay, first of all, let me change your life because it is the best breakfast food in the
1: world." But also just what have you been doing for 13 years that you've never had the opportunity to try Jenbing Bing? Yeah. And it just shows you how that first step can be so hard. Like you okay. might have walked past the Gen Bing maker and just thought, oh, it's so intimidating to try and ask that person. Like, good for her for having been here 13 years, but then having that first step with you. Yeah. Michael Kinsey, the fire engineer from episode 25.
3: I think one of the things which surprises me still is how kind and welcoming people are, especially to foreigners. You know, from when I have problems working out an app on my phone when I'm trying to pay for a bus ride, someone will come and help me. and I haven't even asked for it. It still amazes me.
1: I think this could also be a function of your exuding sincerity, Michael.
3: Well, I, I try and, whatever I do, I try and do it with a smile and, um, you know, <laughs> and just look clueless. I've hammered down the clueless look quite well now, so...
1: DJ Bo, the DJ from episode 23. Recently, I just got an offer to go DJ in a city in Jiangsu province that i never heard of called Zhangjiang. Zhangjiang.
3: <laughs> I, I don't even know.
1: But like, I thought I was at the end of going to new cities in China. And out of nowhere, I got hit up from someone who had seen me at a party in Nanjing and they said, we want you to come to our city. You I know, said, sure. So Maybe sometimes I get complacent and I forget about things like that. But I love that. That's great. Salome Chun, the investor and developer from episode 24.
0: No, not really. Because my grandmom always taught me, like, keep calm and don't be surprised. And I get used to that attitude. If anything new, very different happened, I will try to analyze why. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's definitely the scientific side of you. <laughs> Joe McFarland, the product sourcing leader from episode 18.
2: It's got to be the rate of change, particularly construction. Like, so for example, out of our office window, there was a building that was just like a massive hole in the ground and now there's like a 30 story building and it's the same across the way from my apartment. It's like one day, almost like there was an unveiling. It's like, oh my God, there's a whole like full apartment building. And it just happens so fast. Only China can do that. Or you can go somewhere every day to a restaurant or somewhere and then you turn up the next day and it's gone. And somehow it still surprises me every single time.
1: Catherine Wong, the Peruvian healer from episode four.
0: Change, change in terms of how fast there's buildings appearing or disappearing. In my street, in two or three months, there are like four coffee shops, new.
1: Wendy Saunders, the architect from episode 12. You walk around the neighborhood where you go every day and you'll just see something totally new and something new popping up or you notice something of people doing something different than they did five years ago. I was going for lunch and you just pass by this this small little hole in the wall and you look in and it's this super cool little store and there's like very trendy young people in in the middle of nowhere and you think, wow, you can't imagine that happening even five years ago and, and it's just always this kind of never boring place Vladimir Jurevic the brand naming expert from episode 13 This week I was driving back from a meeting in Pudong and it gets me to uh, one of the avenues on the, in the north of Shanghai like towards Changshu Lu, Tianmolu, And I, I thought the whole avenue for kilometers was under reconstruction. I, I saw China like that uh, 20 years ago. I saw also this 10 years ago, but in Shanghai, I, th- I mean, this year, I still see a lot of construction. It, k- it keeps surprising me to see that, uh, that level of uh, undertaking. Marie King, the public affairs leader from episode 29.
3: There's definitely things that surprise me, but sometimes surprise me in special ways. I, I give you, you know, kind of a unique example. I remember when I first came here, you know, I had the, um, the opportunity to travel domestically, and this was like 27 years ago. And in those days, you got a boarding pass, you went to a small airport terminal, and then you would be bust out or you'd walk out to the aircraft on the tarmac and it wasn't anything like it is now. And um, even though you had a reserve seat, you know, there was a scrum to get onto the flight. And it was, I mean, it was a rough scrum. And um, you knew you had your seat, in theory. Um, sometimes you had to sort of remind people who got your seat that it was your seat. And you know, it, always, it would always work out. And then you know the same thing on an escalator. Everybody would just push in. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And, and it's not a criticism. But I, I remember it was like about eight years ago. Um, I was on an escalator going up uh, to the second floor in my office building at the time. And um, I looked up and I noticed that Everyone was standing to the right. Everybody, without exception. And it just made me realize everything you thought you knew was different because people are progressing and society is changing so quickly and so dynamically. And it's just the smallest of things, but um, it's exciting to see it and it's exciting to be part of it. And I kind of almost felt like I was the one that was kind of standing on the wrong side. So your perspective changes.
1: Seth Harvey, the education coach from episode 19.
3: I was walking out of my office the other day and there was a guy, and he had a turtle on a stick. Like, <laughs> I, I think some of us like, maybe know what I'm talking about, but I think it's his pet turtle, so he's got a string wrapped around its shell and on a stick, and he just like carries it around with him and hangs out. You just never know what you're gonna see. Every day, something new surprises me, and like, I feel like that's a, a huge value. It's like, one of the things that I really love the most here is that it's a very unpredictable place.
1: Sean Harmon, the beer company CEO from episode nine. Recently, top of mind is for sure e-commerce. The power and reach of a channel that's so new and how quickly everyone, it seems, has adapted to it, regardless of age. I mean, everyone is buying online, it feels like. Dan Majid, the Tibetan social enterprise leader from episode 10.
2: In my village, like, people also, like, following all kinds of social medias. They also buy all kinds of stuff, like, from Taobao and Pinduoduo, you know, all these apps. And the quality delivery person would send to us, like, to our soap production space, because that is more convenient for them, rather just, uh, you know, go each household, because uh, (laughs) in nomadic area, like, uh, they all live far away from each other, right? Right. So our... Place become a collection area. So so sometimes like the families would ask us to bring to them, you know, oh, bring my parcel, bring my parcel, <laughs> you know. So, right, yeah. because
1: I guess that is the most prominent address in the whole village, right?
2: No, the delivery person lazy. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Zhang Zhiyuan, the humanities
0: professor from episode three. Let me put it in this way using university education. We know that uh, for the past 20 years, Chinese universities are forcing uh, university lecturers and uh, workers to publish academic papers or journal articles. When we evaluate our colleagues, they still use, how many papers you have Mm. published? (laughs) Mm. Oh my God, yeah. Because China is giant. So it's understandable when we need to manage this country and this scale of people or universities through a very quantitative way. Mm. But I am a person who is in charge of evaluating people's talents every day. I have to recruit foreign talents. I don't believe in quantitative standards because it's impossible. Mm.
1: Nongola Bengu, the African community organizer from episode 14. How time moves differently here than the rest of the world. We're in a whole other planet. Time moves so quickly here and I've tested that out because there was a time I was living at home for a year and I had so much time. The cities on steroids. (laughs) The cities on steroids. Jiao Huailing, the Africa travel vlogger from episode twenty-eight.
0: Pace of life. Mm. I still feel on a daily basis I have to learn a great deal to catch up with the millennials to know how to speak their language in order to communicate with them.
1: AJ Jane, the car designer from episode twenty-one. I just came back from um, from Beijing Motor Show, and you know this new cult of journalists are all people with rigs around themselves, holding cameras and, and filming themselves next to cars.
3: They're like girls dressed up for KTV or a nightclub. <laughs> uh, they could be selling cosmetics, you know, I don't, and, and you wonder, are they scripted? What, what do they say, you know? So it just, everything in every respect felt out of context of the rest of the world.
1: Casey Hall, the fashion journalist from episode 22.
2: I'm going to answer this in a little bit of a less lighthearted way. Um, I think that for my husband and I who have been here for such a long time, one of the things that we would say has been a surprise over the entire time we've been here is that we don't have that many close Chinese friends. And we have some and some wonderful, wonderful friends. But there is still a difficulty, I think, um, with forming widespread meaningful relationships between foreigners and Chinese people. My communication skills are quite good. I can speak Chinese quite well. I feel like it's not a a language barrier. Um, It is much more of a cultural barrier that is difficult to overcome. I guess I thought that over time it would become easier but in many ways it doesn't like it's easy to have a lot of acquaintances but a kind of more deeper level relationship with chinese people we found really hard to execute
1: yes i agree with you um I think there are a number of reasons for that. I think Shanghai being a big, imposing city is one of those reasons. Um, it would be the same if you were in London. You know, If you were in London, you would gravitate towards other non-Londoners, basically, mm-hmm. because sure. a lot of people in London would have friends since they were at school, and uh, they're not interested necessarily in newbies who are maybe transient and might leave. Yeah, I think, though, with the cultural piece, yeah, what you say is true, and it is something which I see especially with people who are in relationships with other foreigners. I think if you have one of you who is Chinese, then just naturally you tend to hang around with more people who are Chinese. And it just is a little bit more difficult when both of you are non-Chinese.
2: I think that's very fair to say. What is the answer? I don't know.
1: I don't know. And
2: it's something that has been for a long time something that was surprising to
1: both of us. Yeah. Ji-Yong, the transgender teacher from episode 30.
2: Oftentimes, people in the West look at China and be like, oh, they're just a crowd of obedient peoples. And I must admit, sometimes I had that stereotype in my head before I came to China. And to see that being broken over and over and over again is something that surprises me because the way that they navigate obstacles, now that's replaced my paradigm of how I view the cross-section of Chinese society.
1: Santi, the drag performer from episode five. China has grown so fast and so quickly and so many cities have developed. But one thing that will always surprise me and something that really me off is the obstacles that China puts in the way that I think it's just for like people to get a kick out of. Like, the only entrance into the metro is you have to walk all the way down here and we could open this stall up, but we're not going to do that. They're just minute little things that just don't... It's not necessary. Michelle Chu, the improvisational comedian from episode 20. You can uh,
0: borrow an umbrella in the metro station.
1: Oh, how does that work? So you scan it, you take the umbrella.
0: Yeah, and uh, you take the umbrella in uh, uh, 24 hours. You can give it back in any metro station.
1: Cassandra Chun, the heavy metal bar owner from episode 16.
0: A lot of things can surprise me. 10 years ago, we we don't even have a smartphone, and now, like, everybody does.
1: Zhang Yuan, the performance art exhibitor from episode 7. Technology, but in a way, you know, I mean, I believe we cannot live without technology. The philosopher who just passed away, Bernard Stiegler, they just said, it's the technology is the poison, but on the other hand, it's the, it's the solution. So you have to get along with it. Douglas C, the island businessman from episode 15. The thing that
0: still surprises me is how Chinese people are able to copycat things and make it into creative products. Mm. Companies that chose to be in tier one cities have now outgrown the market. And people who decide to start their business in Tier 5 cities have now outgrown their market. So now they're fighting for the Tier 2, 3, 4 cities. And so the foreign companies have to make their products cheaper. Companies that started in Tier 5 cities now have to improve their quality. So across the board, you're going to see a whole bunch of battles.
1: Louise Roy, the childbirth and lactation specialist from Episode 6
2: i was surprised the other day to learn from a bunch of nurses that i was talking to that you can get condoms on ulama arrive at your door in 20 minutes and then if it breaks you can get the morning after pill 20 minutes after that (laughs) and i was like maybe you should just stop buying condoms on (laughs) alex
1: Schoer, the clean energy entrepreneur from episode 11 how a city of almost 30 million people can feel like a village or even a college campus at times. Something about the neighborhoods of Shanghai and the districts of Shanghai and how contained they feel, how little you really need to leave your neighborhood. You have healthcare, you have food, you have social activities, you have exercise, you have friends, you have parks, um, and this walkability. Stefan met the head of Consumer Insights at L'Oréal from episode
0: one. Every day, all the time, because when I think I've finally figured out why or what this means, that's exactly when the cards turn and I realize I don't know. So I'm every day constantly amazed and reminded.
1: Björn Dahlman, the Swedish clown from episode 17.
0: So I I do Kung Fu in People's Park and I just remember going to the public bathroom there and they put a face scanner. You have to scan your face to get your toilet paper. I understand the logics of it because I hear people just take toilet paper and they bring back home to save money. But it's just, it's so bizarre. It's so many steps that's like, could this have been done in another way? No, they put face scanner for toilet paper. Does this machine calculate how much paper I need? (laughs) Because <laughs> it see my chubby Western face, and it gives me a lot.
1: Yovana Jung, the handicraft designer from episode eight.
2: It was a, a spring festival a few years ago. We we are eating in a uh, parent's home in Hangzhou, and uh, his family from Tianjin visiting. Uh, it's his uh, late sister, uh, Lei's mom, a brother with wife and their daughter. So it's like a three generation. I just sit to eat, I want to put the thing in my mouth, and then the kid who was like about three years old, suddenly she said, I need a and then three of them, the the mother, uh, the grandma and grandpa, run to the kid, take off her panties and trousers and let her in the middle of the living room, and I was like, what the hell is this? And the toilet is just uh, two meters beside.
1: Wow. Yeah. You don't see that so much. After
2: that, not so many things surprises me anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So those were the surprises from the guests of Season 2. I hope you enjoyed that compilation. I said at the beginning of the episode that I also had a couple of new surprises up my sleeve to share. Well, the first of these is that as of October the 1st, the podcast has just crept over the threshold of 100,000 downloads. So let me say a big thank you to you for contributing to that number. I'm grateful for every single one of those listens. And speaking of gratitude, I'm also grateful to my husband, Denny Newell, for the second surprise, which is the new banner image for Mosaic of China that he designed. As I'm releasing this compilation, I've actually spent the last couple of weeks traveling around China recording some of the new conversations for next season. So hopefully I've managed to successfully upload the new banner image to all the online accounts for the podcast by the time you're listening to this. If not, then hey-ho, I guess that counts as a surprise too. (laughs) Mosaic of China is me, Oscar Fuchs, with artwork by Denny Newell. The next compilation episode coming up will be on the topic of China facts, so it'll be a good chance to brush up on your China trivia. See you again in another two weeks.
0: Thank you very much.
3: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: My pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, hey! Thanks!
3: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you.
3: Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes, my pleasure.
0: Thank you so much.